Why do portfolios of large institutions, endowments, and pensions look so different than the portfolios of high net worth individuals and families? The philosophy at the Norden Group is that you should invest your portfolio like an institution. This approach lends itself to complete transparency. Some key questions to ask yourself, what do I really own? How much am I paying in fees? What costs am I paying that are not disclosed? Would I be better off in a low cost index fund? At the Norden Group, we conduct what is called a portfolio audit, which can reveal these and other important details. Call us to set up your appointment. Investment services offered through Town Square Capital LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. SEC registration does not constitute an endorsement of the firm by the commission, nor does it indicate that the advisor has attained a particular level of skill or ability. Town Square is not affiliated with any other named entity. Um, if you have, you know, seven and eight figures worth of investable assets, you should really give these guys a call. You know, Dan, are they there on your speed dial? You know, I'm I've got about four figures. So I'm about four figures of investable. There, yeah. I've got at least three. Okay. Depending on how close we are to the, you know, second Thursday of the month. <laughs> yeah. Give the Norden Group a call. As always, we do appreciate their uh, their support. And Thanks uh, to the Norden Group, we actually have two microphones. We don't have to share this. This time. is true. This is true. I don't know if anybody could tell, but last time we were sharing microphones, and that was way closer to Dan than I ever want to be. Um, <laughs> one of our microphones died. So. One of our microphones died. So I don't know if last week sounded like there were like very subtle pauses while one of us leaned in and cleared our throat and wiped the sweat off from the other guy. It was... Not a good time. Uh, thanks to the Norden Group for a second microphone. Talk, tell me about the Nike race yesterday. Oh, okay. Well, there. So we were actually debating last episode how many divisions there are, and there's actually six already. So there's six divisions. What six are the six divisions? Let's see. There's one, two, three, four, five, and six. So aside from what you learned in repeat kindergarten last year, <laughs> what what useful information can you? Give okay, me? so I think yesterday there were there were actually three different divisions that raced, and I was because I'm part of Skyline. I was actually at the second division race, which was in Moab which was super fun, super hot. Um, but I, there were just so many awesome races and so many awesome results. And, and this morning I was going through the results from the other three races and there were just so many Maybird riders on podiums. Like see this piece of paper. I was actually going to try to give shout outs to all the kids that, that had awesome races on podiums. This is just like one division right here. So Dan doesn't and, understand how podcasts work. He, he doesn't know that you well, guys I'm, can I'm see showing this. you. Well, I know. I, I already saw it. Yeah, I, I understand. I'm, I'm just showing that we wouldn't you have could just time. Say, there are a lot of names on this paper I know. instead of, okay. But we would not have time to go through all these. It would take an entire podcast to just give shout outs to everyone that had awesome yeah. races yesterday. But there were just so, like, like for instance, you know, the Varsity Boys, we had six out of the top ten. Um, and in Freshman A, we had like four on the podium and JVA boys were seven out of the top 10 all for Maybird. So just really, really awesome, awesome racing. Our girls killed it. They, um, one particular shout out I'd just like to give is to Isaac Zabriskie. He won his, his first varsity race, um, had an awesome race. Just, he's worked so hard, been so strong and consistent all season. I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to jump onto this really quick. If you're like newish to this, this is a big deal. This means that you could make a reasoned argument that 
yesterday, Isaac Zabriskie was the best youth mountain biker in the state of Utah. Well, there's six divisions. Um, I'm, I'm, I, but are, are, even, even out of that, I, I think you could make a really good argument, which is, which is such a huge accomplishment. Like I've seen Isaac come up basically from, from nothing to, to being one of the best mountain bikers I've ever seen. And one of, and you know, one more than that, one of the best athletes I've ever seen. Because those are two different things. Like Isaac is ridiculously dedicated, and I'm I'm not at all surprised to see that he's to this point. But yeah, yeah. so so awesome. And, and I think he's he's definitely on an upward trend too, which is good. And so are all our varsity racers. They just did so, and all of our racers are just keeping on moving up. And and I think they plan their seasons out well and continue to gain fitness at, and seem to be timing things right. Um, one uh, so. One thing I there are some business I do want to take care of really quick. Um, there's there's a girl that that rides for us that was a little upset that we haven't mentioned her in a podcast yet. So why don't we just dedicate this podcast to Carly Webb? If if you guys know Carly Webb, um, why don't you shoot her a text and mention how famous she is? And um, is she gonna be verified on Instagram after this? Is she gonna like a blue check? I think maybe yeah. So. No, Carly, Carly's a character. She makes writing fun. One thing I did want to mention, because I can't just randomly shout out somebody. I have to actually have something to say about her. She taught me something really valuable last year. I guess her uh, her schemo coach encouraged her, told her that basically if she does something 15 hours a week, she will be good at it. And she took this challenge to heart last year, and she rode her bike every week. She rode 15 hours a week and just had a breakthrough season. I mean, she kind of came from like just an average, just your normal Nike kid to to one of the strongest on our high school team just because she followed this coach's advice of, of trying to ride 15 hours a week. And when I look at this list I've got here of all these, all these kids on really top prestigious podiums, I know that's because all these kids are riding a lot and working hard and, and so. 15 hours a week, you said? Yeah. So that's why I'm so good at eating cereal. Ha 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 ha. Okay. That was awesome, Joe. Do we cut that? I hope so. So, um, so anyhow, one thing I do want to say is I do, I, I know some of our top writers are, I noticed a few that probably are getting a little tired and need a little extra recovery. Um, you know, so you just, if, if you just finished your race on Saturday and you don't race again for two weeks, I would encourage those riders to take, to actually have a couple proper recovery days, you know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and then maybe you can get back onto it Wednesday. Um, and by proper recovery, um, let me just reemphasize what a recovery ride is. I, I was noticing on, on a couple of our riders, they did a ride, they titled it a recovery ride, and the ride was about, uh, was about two hours long, and they did about 2,000 feet of climbing. And was this in Moab? No, it was, it was, and they, they did it up a canyon and they called ah. it a recovery ride. And I'm like, no, there's a huge, there's a difference between an easy ride and a recovery ride. That might've been an easy ride for them, but it wasn't a recovery ride. Recovery rides are maybe 30 minutes. They're ridiculously easy. So if you're doing a recovery ride and it's something else, you're wasting your time. So recovery rides need to be ridiculously easy. And I think there's a few people out there that, that need a couple at least a couple, maybe two, three days of, of actual recovery. 
Yeah. And, and I think also just like this is the point in the season where I think people fall off a little bit and, and start to maybe lose some fitness. Would, would you agree that like you might if you were really, really strong at the beginning of the season, you might feel as we enter the tail end of the season that your legs are getting a little weaker? Well, I think um, the way we kind of do the Nike season where we don't we kind of have eliminated official rest weeks during the Nike season because they're they're resting before each race and recovering after the races that kind of counts as the recovery but I think there's just a few that have been working really hard that might just need two or three days of proper recovery but then after that you know then say like Wednesday next week Wednesday until Wednesday just have a really really hard block of training and then you know, for for the that six or seven days, just really get after it hard, do some really hard workouts, build up some fitness, build up some fatigue, but then rest up again in time for the next race. You know, so just rest after the races. Then in that little that that seven day period, you build up really, really, really hard, gain some freshness for the for your region champs, and then go race it and do awesome. But but if you're going to do a recovery ride, make it be proper actual recovery. And, and honestly, maybe don't do it with other people. I think when you get high school age bicycle riders together and uh, they won't go easy. Yeah. If you need recovery, don't go to your high school ride. Um, I, I personally like to do it on Zwift and I'll lock it into a certain wattage and it just keeps me there and I keep it at 20 minutes, just enough to pump some lymph out of your legs and make you feel a little better. But for, for our Mill Creek people, hop on Wasatch Boulevard and, and do that or something. Like, don't do climbs. I would say if you live, like, up up in the hills or something, don't even ride from home. Drive to the bottom of the hill. Like, you know, if, if, if you don't finish feeling like there's no way that did anything good for me, that was so ridiculously easy, it's stupid, you did something wrong. Yes. Is that an over-exaggeration? So. I'm good at those. And, and we're going to talk more about this, but I think a lot of people yeah. do our recovery rides way, way, way too yeah, hard. We get it. So uh, world stuff really quick. Yeah. Worlds. So the, uh, uh, today kind of wrapped up the road cycling world championships out in uh, Wollongong, Australia. And yes, that is how you pronounce it. It's like a 15 letter word. Um, uh, not quite the cap to the road season. There's still, there's still some stuff to go, but the last really big, um, kind of benchmark in the road season. If you hark back to our earlier podcast about kind of road cycling and road racing literacy, you'll know that there are, there are, uh, uh, the big races are your Grand Tours, which is the Tour de France, Giro d'Italia, Vuelta Espana. There are the five monuments, Paris-Roubaix, um, uh, Tour of Flanders, uh, Liège-Bastogne-Liège, uh, Lombardia and Milan-San Remo, and then there's the World Championships, right? So the winner of the World Championships, if you, if you need a uh, spoiler warning, this is it. Um, 22, 22-year-old 22 uh, Belgian superstar, Remco Evenepoel. If you haven't heard that name before, write it down. Um, he is the next big thing. Remco sounds like a rent-to-own place, company. Rem- what? Remco, is that his name? Remco, yeah, his name is Remco Evenepoel. Yeah, I what? used to be a salesman for Remco. <laughs> before you decided to pursue something where you make no money? Yeah. Anyway, um, so and the cool thing about Remco Evenepoel, again, 22 years old, so younger than me, which sucks, um, is he won Liege Baston Liege earlier in the season. So already winning a monument at 22 is a huge deal. He won the Vuelta a couple weeks ago, just literally finished the Vuelta and came to Australia for Worlds. Um, had an underwhelming Worlds time trial performance, 
which was odd because he's an amazing time trialist, and then went and broke, I believe, broke 25Ks from the finish um, to win the men's race. Um, people are calling this guy the next Eddie Merckx. And again, harking back to that episode, you'll know Eddie Merckx is, calling somebody the next Eddie Merckx is about as high as praise gets in cycling. Um, this guy can do everything. I think he is on track to be a bigger superstar than Vanderpol Sagan or Polkachar. I'm, I'm going to say that now. I, th I think he's going to really change cycling. Uh, women's race was amazing too. Um, less of a surprise. Annemiek van Vluten, um, kind of, I would say, the best female cyclist, road cyclist of the past five years. I, I think I could defend that statement. Broke her elbow in the time trial a week ago. Went on to race today, which I don't necessarily condone. I think generally that's a bad idea. But one um, kind of broke away at the very last minute, not even really a sprint, just kind of rode away from everyone at the very last minute to win, I believe, her third road world title. Um, huge, huge stuff from Van Vluten. The other story... Um, I was gonna, is this, I was going to ask you about what happened to, I think... Uh, what, what happened, happened to, to Mathieu Vanderpool? Van yeah. Mathieu Vanderpool's had a rough season. Um he targeted the tour, showed up to the tour, and like by his own standards, sucked. He pulled out halfway through, couldn't couldn't hang. Something was wrong. Um, I understand. Did a huge block of training to prepare for Worlds, and we don't know everything yet. But the Vanderpool is staying about an hour away from the race venue in Sydney. I understand that Wollongong is about an hour hour south of Sydney, I believe, and was involved in some sort of altercation that resulted in him being charged with criminal assault. Um, his passport's been confiscated, and he is scheduled to appear in court in two days, I believe. Um, I've read a whole bunch of stuff about how it was some teenagers playing a prank or people knocking on his hotel room, and there's some dispute over noise. Um, again, like I don't think we know everything yet, but he abandoned the night before, did not end up racing worlds, and um, you know, like I, I think we should wait to pass judgment until we hear more. But like, it's never great to hear that like you know, a guy in his thirties was involved in an assault case with minors, you know, like that's, you know, uh, it sounds, if I had to guess, it sounds like some, some teenagers being jerks and him probably overreacting. Cause he knows how important his sleep is. That's right. Yeah. So like it's, it, that sucks. Like I'm a huge Vanderpool fan. Um, candidly, I don't think it would have affected the race. Um, uh, Remco rode away from everybody, bro. He's kind of a breakaway guy. Um, you know, he, he arrived alone. Um, but yeah, bummer for Vanderpool. A final note, our local boy, Keegan Swenson, we discussed, um, got called up by USA Cycling to race. The U.S. only qualified five riders this year. I believe the maximum is seven or eight. Um, so that was a little bit of a disappointment. And we were kind of missing some of our hitters because of that weird UCI points um, relegation thing that's going on. Um, nominatively, I, I believe that the U.S. was riding for Nelson Palace this year, but it sounds like Keegan kind of got to ride his own race. Um, he, uh, um, I, on Instagram said that he was kind of in the mix until the last lap and a half and was dropped off. Um, but again, like dropped off a group that was already chasing that he was going to win. Um, you but, know, but how, like, how would Keegan's tactics be for road racing? I, Cause I'm sure his motor and his fitness is more than good enough to, to be one of the best really. But do you think that would have been hard for him to really not have as much experience in a peloton i mean does he have any experience in a peloton and so forth? he does keegan's done some amount of road racing i don't know how much i think technically he is the utah state road race champion right now uh, doesn't do a lot of road racing um you know compared to the amount of gravel and mountain bike racing he does um 
I think Keegan has the endurance to do it. Um, my suspicion is that he probably got lost on the really, really high end stuff. Like we talk about mountain bikers having really good high end power, but like, I think we sometimes forget just how many Watts like a professional road, you know, Peloton can put out or even like a breakaway group. Um, candidly, like I did not watch this race actually. And this is kind of an ax to grind. It would have cost me 150 bucks to watch this race. It was only available on flow sports. And like, if anybody, you know, I doubt they are, but if anybody is listening and cares about American cycling, it cannot cost people in their twenties and and teenagers, 150 bucks to watch a race. Now, granted that would have bought me a year long flow sports subscription, but that's still an outrageous amount of money. Um, so yeah, I didn't actually get to watch it. I'm, I'm kind of going based on what I've read on cycling news and, and Instagram here, but, um, enormous shout out to Keegan though. Um, getting called up at the last minute, racing in kind of weird circumstances where it sounds like it wasn't totally clear who the leader of the team was, you know, kind of having a mixed role where you're supposed to be working for somebody, but you're also kind of doing your own thing, jumping into worlds at the last minute and even being there is a huge deal. And the fact that he was in the mix, um, Oh, I think it's just super awesome. Yeah, I'm I, I like I am so proud to come from the state where Keegan Swenson's from. Like I I I almost tell people that all the time. I'm like, yeah, Utah's great. You know, look at Keegan. <laughs> so yeah. Shout out to Keegan, shout out to Isaac, um, everybody else who raced this weekend. Um good stuff. Uh jumping into the meat and potatoes of our episode. Uh-huh. Or really just the meat. Okay. If somebody wants to clip the last two seconds of that audio there and make it their ringtone, I give you permission. Um, protein. I'm so again, Dan and I discuss a little bit in the week leading up to episodes, what we're going to talk about. We do not compare notes. So I'm learning along with you guys here. And I am curious, why are we dedicating an entire episode to a macronutrient? Okay. Well, so defend yourself. This may come as a surprise to you guys, but I am not an expert on protein. You guys have no idea the extent to which that statement is true. (laughs) And, and so I kind of, um, I kind of dedicated my entire week to learning about protein. You know your life's exciting when. It was the best week of my life. Yeah. No, Dan's been texting me about this all week. And not just like the stupid puns for whatever we end up calling this episode. Um, but yeah, this no, is... I think that's the only thing I texted you was a stupid pun for what we could call the episode. <laughs> because really... So really, I kind of tell Joe what I want to talk about. and But we really don't go into any details. And so when he asked me questions... A lot of times it takes me, catches me a little off guard because I, I don't really have an answer prepared. Um, if he asks me questions this time, I'll be really caught off guard. But I did actually learn a lot about protein and I learned it's it's a lot more complicated than I ever thought. Um, really quick, I, I want to catch you here. We all learned about protein in health class, right? Some of you might even be in that class right now. I think most people who have a cursory understanding of nutrition will tell you that Protein is the nutrient that helps you build muscles and it's what you get in chicken and the white part of eggs and it's you um, You need it for like recovery from athletic stuff Like what what are we missing from our understanding of protein? What more do you need to understand? Well, that's that's pretty much it. Should we just end there and yeah, I mean, no. I mean we're, we're <laughs> no. 19 minutes in that's enough, right? You no, know? We're really, you know, like protein is something I knew was important and I would always recommend to athletes that they need to make sure they're getting enough protein and they need that, you know, they need to have their three to one protein blend after a hard workout for recovery. But I really didn't know exactly why. Um, 
it, it was just like, yeah, I know protein's good and important, but I really didn't have a good understanding of why. And so today I just kind of like to share some of the things I've learned over the week. And um, it, I think it's, I think, well, I, I, I think this could be extremely beneficial for some people that need it. And I think other people are probably doing okay, you know, but if you're not doing okay, this could be a huge. This could be game. a seri- like if, serious. Like, yeah, thing. if you yeah. have a, like a like a protein intake problem, that's not. Um, so uh, basically, not necessarily going to affect everybody, but if it is affecting you, it's a big deal. Yeah, fair. Okay. Exactly. Wow, so, I was the concise one there. That's crazy. That never <laughs> happens. Yeah. So so first of all, like, what is what is protein? Um, basically, protein it, it's a molecule. There there are just there's like 20 to 50,000 different proteins in our body that do all kinds of different things from like, um, they make up our structure. They, they are, they create our enzymes, which, which make chemical reactions in our bodies happen faster. They, they act as like shuttles from in and out of, of different parts of our bodies. They, um, they're receptors. They do, but quite literally these protein, I mean, we're basically made out of these proteins, but all these proteins are, are made out of actually made up of 20 amino acids. So and I hear that thrown around a whole lot. Are, are all proteins just collections of different amino acids or, or how to, what, yeah. what is an amino acid in relation to a protein? It, okay. So there's, there's these 20 amino acids and these different proteins are just various combinations of these 20 amino acids. So really quick, so, so protein like, isn't protein isn't protein. When you say something is protein, it means it is some combination of these 20, it, it, because fat is fat is fat, right? Probably. I, I guess. We'll, we'll do a we'll podcast re, we'll on We'll do fat. a research on fat. fat. Dan's an expert on that one. Ha ha. Ha ha. Anyway, um, but di- different collections of the of these 20 different amino acids. And that's what you have like complete it, and non-complete like, proteins or whatever. It's kind of like the alphabet. Okay. You've got like 26 letters, right? Yet those 26 letters can create a whole dictionary full of different words. Okay. And that's kind of what... That was not your metaphor, was it? Okay, maybe I saw that. Okay, that was, I was like, that's way too good for you to have come up with it. Just wanted to clarify. All right, carry on. As you were. Yeah, but that's kind of how amino acids are. They're these 20 different amino acids that come in, that, that combine to create all these different proteins, which basically build us as humans. All right, so what happens are these individual amino acids, they'll, they'll combine and they combine into what's called polypeptides and they have what's called a pepton, peptide bond between them. And when they get three or more, they're, they're called polypeptides, which I think is kind of a cool word. It would make kind of a good- thing. Sounds like a 90s toy, like the polypeptoid or something, you know, like yeah. every kid wants one for Christmas. And, and so the polypeptides almost like, they almost look like a beaded necklace or something. And then these polypeptides will, will fold and and combine and almost think of like if you have a bunch of necklaces that are kind of tangled together in a big ball like maybe you go into an old jewelry box and find this ball of tangled necklaces that's kind of what these polypeptides actually look like um so so the way i kind of think of it is i know a lot of you guys out there maybe some of the gals played with legos as kids right oh yeah okay and so when you get this big complex Lego set, I know my boys for Christmas all bought themselves this really elaborate car that they put together. 
and it had this big instruction manual. So you open to page one and you use these individual Lego bricks to create like, say, we'll say the steering assembly for this car. And, and those individual Lego bricks are pretty much like, like the amino acids and that, that steering assembly they make is kind of like a protein that they made together. And then they take all those proteins, all those different parts of the car, like the steering assembly and the, the chassis or whatever, and put them together to create the entire car. And so those amino acids are just kind of like the little building, individual building blocks. Um, and, and with the amino acids, there are, I mentioned there are 20. 11 of them are non-essential and nine of them are essential. And I'm, I'm sure you've probably heard of essential amino acids, right? So if they're non-essential, that means our body usually can create them on its own and, and create enough that we can, we can use those to... You bet enough that you can get by. Like you don't need to be getting them from external sources. Yes. Okay. Yeah. The non-essential ones our body cannot make, and we have to get those from food sources. Okay, so this is this is the rub where it comes in for for um, uh, individuals who do vegetarian or vegan diets, right? Where it's like you can get those those uh, eleven from or those nine from um, like meat sources, but if you're vegetarian, you need to make sure you're getting the proper combinations of complete proteins, right? Correct. Yes, and um, uh, and there's kind of a debate out there, like which is better, like plant sources or or animal sources and a lot of people think that animal sources are better because they are a complete protein but the um the animals or the plant sources are also arguably better too because you know if you combine a few different plants together you can still get all your essential amino acids in one day but the the advantage to the plants is the plant sources also have tons of other nutrients too um you know like like the the vitamins the fiber the um a lot of the benefits that you get from plants so really getting your protein from multiple sources is the best way to go so i, I understand like i think we should jump right into this because this is something that affects a lot of people um understanding that there are non-nutrition reasons that some people choose to pursue vegan or vegetarian diets just from a performance standpoint, what do you think is the best diet to guarantee that you get the proper amount of um, complete uh, proteins? Well, I think it's it's easier if if you do have some animal products, you know, like kind of like, like for instance, the egg is probably the gold standard for for protein sources. I've heard that like egg white is the best protein. It's well, as good as protein gets. No, I've, I heard it, someone say that once. You really want to have the whole egg. I mean. The whole egg ha has more overall more, nutritional value, but just yeah. like the protein, well, it actually has it has more like because the eggs even have more than just the essential amino acids. It has probably I think all of the amino acids, even some of the non-essential ones, which still do have some benefit in our diet. Um, so, so you know, if if you do have um, an animal if you do consume animal products it's easier to get complete proteins but you should also i think it's really really important to also try to get protein from plant sources because in addition to those to your protein you're getting so many so many of the micronutrients that plants offer um 
And in like the ideal plant sources that I've heard kicked around are like like beans, um, soy. Um, if you can hear paper rustling in the background, uh, forgive us. Hopefully, the only background noise you can hear because there's a lot of uh, other background noise going on today. Um, but like, what are your what are you kind of uh, the easy plant sources of protein for people to shoot for? Okay, so there's it's it's actually kind of surprising what has protein and what doesn't. Um, there's you know like lentils, chickpeas, and beans are, are, are known for being really, really good sources of protein. They're not complete sources, but combined with others, you know, if you're eating like, I mean, everyone knows that like if you combine beans and rice, you get a complete protein. Um, but, but there's, there's several others too that are kind of surprising, like potatoes are actually a good source of protein. Um, Broccoli is actually a good source of protein. Um, wild rice nuts are really good. Seeds are really good. It's, it's, it's just kind of surprising how many, many of the, like oatmeal is actually a really good source of protein. Oh, really? Because I always thought of oatmeal as just like, or, or even rice is like carb sources. You know, those, those are your carbs, right? But you're getting a non-negligible amount of protein from those as well, correct? Well, for, yeah, like white rice doesn't have a whole lot of protein, but if it's like a wild rice. Or uh, brown rice? Um. I do, think do brown rice know? just has more fiber. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. If, I can't remember if it, how it compares as far as terms of how much protein it has. So yeah. So when you're when you're really try to to get protein from both sources, I think that's kind of the golden ticket there. Um, so we discussed really quick, like there might be people out here who are majorly messing up their their protein game. What does that look like in practice? What are some like markers of, of, of an individual who might want to consider changing their, their sort of protein um, strategy? Well, so the, the recommended daily allowance of protein is, is eight grams per kilogram of body weight. Okay. It's, it's really important to know how to convert your pounds to to kilograms for a lot of these comparisons. And how you do that is you just push the button on your phone and ask Siri how many kilograms is. You write your legislator a letter <laughs> asking us to please just go to the metric system yeah. and let there be other things about America that stand out. Yeah, so anyhow, um, so eight grams of protein per kilogram of body weight is what the what's recommended by the FDA. Can you overshoot on protein? Well. Am I let jumping me, ahead too much? Let me, yeah, you, you can definitely. Okay. But that recommendation from what most of the literature says is, is too low. Especially a, too for low for an athlete. A especially growing, too low a for growing endurance a growing athlete. endurance athlete. Okay. All right. and most of the recommendations out there are, and these are, these are conservative. I've heard even bigger recommendations in this, but between 1.2 grams per kilogram and 1.6 grams per kilogram is a very well-respected recommendation for athletes. So it's almost twice what um, the RDA is. F is FDA. Recommended daily allowance. Oh, I okay. didn't mess up, Joe. I just, I, I assume that you mess up all the time. Um, so my apologies there. I'll catch okay. you later, don't worry. So, so yeah, so 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight is probably, I would say for us on the high end, during hard training. if you know, so so when you're in your, your season doing your hard training, um, that's kind of probably I would say the upper end of what you would shoot for. So just help me understand here. So um, uh, what's really quickly? Cool, what's roughly how many grams for like you of protein? I'm sure you figured that out, or like you. Okay, so 
So I'm about 90 kilograms. Okay. Okay. And multiply that times 1.6. That gives me 144 grams per day. Okay. So 144 grams. Um, just to kind of help me understand this academically, is that 144 grams of egg whites or is that 144 grams of any protein source, complete or non-complete? It's 100. Yeah. It's yeah. Complete or non-complete. That's a total number I'm shooting for. Okay. And as long as I have a good variety, I don't, you don't really have to worry too much about the complete or non-complete. I mean, if you're only eating beans, you're probably you're not only eating chicken. Well, if you're eating chicken, oh, well, you're, that is that's complete. A, yeah, that's a complete. Protein. So this is mostly if you're in a vegetarian diet or an otherwise restrictive diet and you're not getting animal protein, you just need variety and you'll get it. And you really, okay. it's really not too hard. So you don't need to be looking up like what's the, this is the complete protein match for this. And this you, is the match for this. Yeah. You don't really need to pay attention to how much of the each, each individual amino acid you're getting. Okay. As long as you have good variety, you're going to get them all, whether you're vegetarian, vegan, or really quick. Carnivore. As always, I think we should disclaim that like, we are not medical professionals. If you have a medical condition that affects your need to intake certain proteins or whatever, go with your doctor, not us. Yeah. It's always a good, always, always go good with your idea. doctor, not us. Yeah. I'm, I'm so, trying to think who we are a better source than, so, and that's a short list. <laughs> okay, so so one thing about protein is it's so much better to consume it in smaller doses throughout the day. If you take too much at one time, most of it's going to just either be used as energy or stored as something else. I'll, so this is, again, we don't share notes. So if, if I eat essentially no major protein um, throughout the day and then have a big old steak at the end of the day, that technically gets me to my number, that's not ideal. No, that's that's not good. Dang um, it. Most of that'll just be wasted, okay, or stored as fat or used as energy. So, um, yeah. So, so what I do, what you do is you would figure out the overall amount of protein that you need based on your you times your your weight in kilograms by that one point two to one point six, whatever you decide, and you come up with a number. Divide that number by four and try to get that much per meal throughout the day. So, so I figured, I figured I need to shoot for about thirty-six grams per meal. And I thought, you know, at first I thought, you know, I wonder how close I am to getting this. So I, I kind of went through what I ate the other day, and you know, for breakfast I had just to see if I'm. It's just to see if I'm getting close to this, this which is basically double what the recommended daily allowance is. Um, you know, so for breakfast, I had a half cup of oatmeal, which has about 10 grams of protein. I always, I'm a big fan of pumpkin seeds. There's a lot of really good nutritional benefits with pumpkin seeds, but they're actually pretty high in protein too. And there were seven grams from that, eight grams from the milk. I had two eggs, which is 12 grams. So I had about 37 grams for breakfast. Um, for lunch, um, and some black beans add about 10 grams, some rice, which had about three grams, a wheat tortilla that had five grams and chicken that had about eight grams. So I got about 26 grams. When do we hear for, about the Maverick taquitos? Did for, those not feature? You, I think you picked a particularly healthy day to feature, didn't you? No, this is this is me every day. I I would like to contest the notion that this is a good representation of how No, Dan this is what I eat. This is kind of my go-to actually. Okay. I'll okay, so um, dinner I'm exaggerating on a little bit. So we're, we're just gonna pretend I had chicken breast, which has about 38 grams, which is a lot. So dinner was the Maverick taquitos. And then, and then just some vegetables and so forth. So um, by the end of the day, I figured, 
and, and I probably was missing something, but I figured I, I got up to about 120 grams, which was a little short of my 144, but I, I think I was also missing a few things too, like some, maybe some nuts or something I ate. So my point is, is that I really didn't have to do anything different or like eat 10 eggs for breakfast or have a steak every single meal to get to what seems like a lot. I, I was getting pretty close to it just doing what I normally do. And I'm not like a huge carnivore. And, you know, I, I typically try to eat mostly vegetables and have a little bit of protein with every every meal. And I was getting pretty close to where I should be. So is it, is it maybe fair to assume that most people are at least pretty close to where they ought to be? Is that a safe assumption to make? I think as long as you're matching your energy requirements, you're probably getting close enough. And I, I think maybe if you're vegan, you need to pay a little closer attention to it. It's, it's probably going to be harder for you if you're vegan, but you can do it. And usually they eat really healthy anyway, so they're probably fine. Um, but yeah, as long as you're, as, you, as long, and you know, it all kind of goes back to the no duh diet. The, the first rule of the no duh diet was, was what, do you remember? Eat enough. And if you're eating enough to fuel the workouts you're doing, you're probably going to be okay. But I do think it would be good every once in a while to maybe just have a day where you kind of pay attention to how much, how much protein you're eating, how much protein's in the different food, foods that you eat, add it up and just see if you're in range. If you're not in range, it's going to cause major performance issues. So like what, when you say major, what, what does that look like? So if you, you add it up, let's say you're 50% shy of where you ought to be. What does that look like on the bike? Well, 50% shy of where you ought to be is actually at the recommended daily allowance. So you're not going to be extremely unhealthy, but you're probably not recovering and performing as well as you could. Um, Your body's not going to respond to training stimulus in the way that it ideally wants to, correct? Yeah. Tens desperately shuffling through papers, trying to find an answer to my question. Joe's like skipped me around so much. We're going to figure out a cleaner way to do this. Yeah. No, you guys like how this podcast works. Come on. You keep coming back. So let's, um, so we've kind of gone into about how much protein we need um, and, and whether plant or, or animal sources are better. So let's, let's talk a little bit about why protein's important. Okay. Um, so, so we have what are called in our muscles. Have you guys ever looked into what's involved with the contraction and relaxation of a muscle. Literally never. No one has ever done that. I'm sure people have. It's I, actually, I, if anybody listening to this podcast has ever done that, I, I would be floored. It is mind-blowing. Unless Bo's listening. I'm sure yeah, he's... Yeah, Bo knows. Okay. It, no one other than Bo Foreman has ever Googled that before. Okay. It's actually mind-blowingly complicated. Um, the, what, what the processes that go into to contracting and relaxing a muscle. But they, it involves... Um, they're called contractive proteins... Um, you've probably heard of like actin and myosin. So when we, um, it's a huge assumption to think that I've probably heard of actin and myosin. Okay. Well, so these are, these are contractive proteins. And when we do strenuous workouts, um, these, these proteins that, that basically cause our muscles to contract and relax, they basically make us move. These must, these, these proteins, they break down, which is called protein degradation. And, they are then these proteins are removed and replaced when when we recover, and and as you know, just from general training rules, they're 
they're replaced with with bigger, better versions, basically. And and that that comes from the protein in our diets. Um, and if we have insufficient protein, we can't rebuild those contractive proteins in our muscles after when you know when we're recovering from hard workouts. So so basically, if you're not providing the building blocks, the basically the Legos to rebuild what you've broken down during training, your training's pointless. You know, you're not going to get faster. You're not going to be better. So what does this actually feel like for Susie, the Nike rider? Is it just like, I'm doing all this work. I'm doing the right things. I'm plateauing performance wise. My FTP is the same as it used to be six months ago, even though I've done a lot of work. Like what is, what does it actually feel like? It means you're working hard. You're doing all the work and you're getting slower. That's exactly what. Now women in particular, and I hope, well, you know, when I said it from the beginning, this, this might really, most people are probably okay but this could really benefit some people. I think women really need to pay attention to this because, because of their hormones, they tend to be more catabolic when they exercise and, and they break down more protein when, when they exercise than men do. So it's especially essential for women to, to pay attention to their protein intake. Um, you know, and, and especially after exercise, like women, they need to get about 25 to 30 grams of protein within 30 minutes of working out. This isn't as critical for men. It's probably not a bad idea for men, but it's, it's, it's actually critical for women to get that. And just to put that in perspective, you know, those little jugs of chocolate milk that we hand out after rides, those are about 14 grams of protein, which is actually quite a bit for that size. Um, Ideally women should consume about two of those, right? within 30 minutes of a strenuous workout. No, if you're doing like a casual little fun hour long ride, you don't need to worry about that. But if you're doing like weight training or hard intervals or like a really hard epicish type ride, you would you would want to get that, you know. So hanging out in a parking lot without proper nutrition after like an epicish ride could be really detrimental for a female rider. It's it's not a good idea. Yeah, they're not going to get the same benefits from that workout, or even like a like a Wukar session, I guess. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Because that's something I never. Th- so, like when you finish Wukar next next winter, again, please do Wukar. It's excellent. Um, when you finish Wukar next winter, get right on home and get get your protein into your body. Is what we're saying. Or here. bring it with you and bring it in a cooler. Bring it. Um, you know, that's that's why sometimes the powdered mixes are good because you could mix them up while you're there and not have to refrigerate it. Um, but yeah, so that's that's the first one. Basically, when we when we work out, when we work out, our um, our our muscles just break down, and and the protein that we consume is the building blocks to repair it and repair it better. That's why we train. Um, also, you know, when when we exercise hard, the the hydrogen ions from from lactate will will cause our our um, mitochondria proteins to be damaged and and protein can help repair that and so um so really quick what is it about uh the, a female body that that makes your needs different than a male body like at a very basic level well it's mostly hormones okay yeah progesterone um that that makes that makes exercise a little more catabolic and that's probably only certain times in their cycle and so forth that that becomes a bigger issue um, so one thing that protein can also do 
is it can it can help replace our glycogen stores much faster than just consuming carbohydrates alone. A lot of times when, when elements are combined, they transport in and out of cells faster. Um, and that's why you always hear the recommendation to have, you know, to have three to one protein to, or carbohydrate to protein recovery drink right after a hard workout. It just helps re restore your glycogen stores faster. Stacy Sims was citing a study that says it can be up to four times faster with protein than without. So if you're not familiar, the work of Stacy Sims is pretty much essential for female endurance athletes. Yeah. I'd highly recommend her whole well, entire body of work. Yeah, she's she's just remarkable. So another another really important thing about protein too is if if you're in a, like an energy deficit, basically, which is how you ultimately lose weight. Um, protein helps you feel fuller. Um, so when, so when we ingest protein, we, we basically are taking in these proteins and then our body, you know, through digestion and with enzymes, we break those proteins back down into individual amino acids. And then our body recombines these amino acids into other types of proteins where our body needs it in various different ways. This actually uses a lot of energy to do. And so um, it, it's called the thermal effect where your body's actually burning a lot of calories just to process protein. So, you know, if you have a hundred calories of protein, you're, you're going to net a smaller amount of calories because, because of that. So it's actually useful for those that are trying to, to stay lean and, and even cut back weight. Um, and it helps you feel full too. Um, so for like an individual like myself where some small amount of weight loss is a goal, focusing on protein intake or just kind of like eating protein-rich foods will help me, prevent me overdoing it on carbs, essentially. Yeah, like think if you went to an all-you-could-eat buffet and all they served was chicken. Like you couldn't go back to the bar very many times. But then if you went to an all-you-can-eat buffet and all they served was potato chips... You, you go back 12 or 13 times and never get full. Got it. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, protein also boosts immunity. It reduces inflammation. Um, another thing to point out is it actually provides energy, but a very small percentage of energy. So during a hard workout, it maybe pro provides only about two to 5% of our energy. But the thing that's, Im that's important to note about that is that's protein that's being burned during exercise, if you don't replace it, um, it prevents you from recovering and prevents you from rebuilding your body and getting faster. So it's very important that that, that, that ultimately gets replaced. Um, I want to go back to a question you asked earlier, which is a really important question. You asked if you can overconsume protein. Um, absolutely. I mean, you can overdo anything, but but just like anything too much, like more isn't always better. You need to, you need to get the right amount. Um, one of the problems with like, like say you just, you think protein is just the greatest thing ever. So you're just going to go protein, 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 protein. Probably the biggest problem with that I would say is that you don't consume enough carbohydrates because ultimately at the end of the day, carbohydrates are more important to us as athletes. We really need to make sure that at least 45% of our macronutrients come from carbohydrates. Um, 
if you eat too much protein, you're just not going to have the glycogen stores to do quality workouts. Um, and, and also, you know, if you're not eating enough carbohydrates, you know, that's our fruits, our vegetables, our, um, our micronutrients. You're just not going to get the amount of micronutrients and fiber that you need. So consume enough protein, but you don't want to overdo it. And, and if you, if you're actually consuming more than your body can process, it basically is, is either going to use it as energy or it's ultimately could be stored as fat too. So because the end of the day, a, cal- a calorie is a calorie. A calorie is a calorie. You know, yeah. if if it's not being if it's not being burned, it'll be stored. That makes sense. Um, and it, like that's probably that's probably not a problem for most people. That that can't be a super common problem, right? Oh, I I don't know. I mean, anything's possible. But yeah, you really still need a balanced diet, and like like, you know, like your plate really should be mostly full of a variety of plants, and you know, like a palm sized serving of, of protein. And that can come in a lot of different forms. And a lot of your plants are going to have protein too. So it's kind of a double whammy awesome effect there. Um, you know, one, one concern. I, it, so I'm, I've got a, a, a different problem. Like I build muscle really easy. And, and it's funny because I'm always like looking, researching, like, how do you get strong without getting bigger? And most guys want the other thing they, you know, they just want to get big and look swole and everything. And that's, um, but that is a concern for endurance athletes is, you know, is consuming a lot of protein going to make, make you big and unnecessarily unnecessary. heavy in a sport, you know, that is weight sensitive. Yeah. Cause really you don't want, as a cyclist, you don't want beach muscles, right? I mean, I mean, maybe I do. I don't know. Like. I already have a girlfriend, but you know, there's probably someone who's listening who's like, eh, I'd, I'd turn down a world tour contract for a girlfriend, right? Okay. But you know, I mean, like unnecessary bulk in your muscles is, isn't going to really make you faster. You want to be strong, lean. And, and, and I think a lot of times for endurance athletes, there's kind of that concern, you know, is, is increasing my protein going to make me unnecessarily bulkier? I mean, is that... Yes, yes. Is is that a reasonable concern? Not really, because what 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 really causes the bulkiness is your body's response to the type of stress you're you're giving it, and so for the it, it basically is just sending different signals. If you're doing like um, like work in the gym, you know, working on strength training and so forth versus aerobic training. Aerobic training sends a, a signal to basically the protein's gonna repair these, these, these movement proteins, whereas the strength t- training signals are going to you know, create hypertrophy hy- in the uh, fast twitch muscles, which makes them bigger and strong. You know, so you're basically, it's the, it's the exercise that you're doing, not so much the protein that's, that's causing you to, to stay smaller versus swole. So it's really popular to do um, like protein supplements. Do you have any thoughts on those? Yeah, I think for most people, they're not really needed. Um, so typically after like a, after a hard workout, you want a whey protein is probably ideal because it's very fast, quickly absorbed. Um, but the only reason I think you'd really want a supplement is if you're concerned about like some of the supplements are lower calorie and maybe that might be a concern, but really I think there's really nothing better than chocolate milk because 
because a lot of the the food sources they'll have the proteins but they'll also have a lot of other good nutrients that are super beneficial um you know like chocolate milk for instance you know one of those little chocolate milks has about 14 grams of protein it it's whey protein so it's absorbed faster um and it's actually a really really good source of leucine which is probably the most important branch chain amino acid um so i'm just not sure that a supplement could be better than that uh, other than convenience i mean it's, it might be nice to have some in your bag so you can mix it up with water and you don't have to keep chocolate milk in a cooler I, you know I, I yeah um and also you know i can't think of a supplement that would be better than like eggs you know or, or chicken you know um so not not going to hurt you. Probably not the best way. I, to, I really to don't get think it's necessary. The, okay, yeah. that makes sense. That makes sense. But yeah, it, you know, so there's there's a lot more I could say. I only got to like a small percentage of my notes because Joe kept asking me questions and derailing me. You know, we can do a protein part two later. Don't worry. Oh, we might have revenge to. But the, revenge of the protein. <laughs> but let me, if if I could just summarize by anything, the the one takeaway I would, I would say is that really the key is just having if you have a balanced diet with good whole foods you're going to get it right you know and um like I i think you need to be cognizant that you're getting enough protein but i think you know if if you're eating lots of lots of healthy plants and combining that with 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 lean meats some eggs and and just having a good overall healthy diet you're probably going to be okay um and 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 eating enough is is key make sure you're scaling your eating to the amount of training that you're doing in either direction for for absolutely for for us versus some other people who struggle to eat if you take the winters off and don't train during the winters you're gonna your overall calorie consumption should go down and your protein consumption should naturally scale with that. But um, women especially need to pay attention, make sure they're getting enough because your bodies tend to be a little more catabolic during exercise. Um, if, if you're training really hard, you feel like you're not getting better, you might look at your protein consumption and see if that can be improved. Um, the protein and carbohydrates after hard workouts is just just so important to restocking those glycogen stores and for women um, getting that 25 to 30 grams of protein within that half hour is essential because because of some of the muscular damage that can be done during their workouts so um, yeah it, it's something that's that's important to pay attention to and um, but yeah just eat a no duh healthy diet and you probably are gonna be good sweet uh, we, we might attack protein a little bit more in the future. I'll, I'll keep my mouth shut next time so that we can run into more of it. Um, as always, if you have any questions, you know where to send them. And, uh, you know, rest up, get ready for another, uh, another good week of riding bikes. Talk to you soon, folks.